If you've been dreaming of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. Today's guest is Alicia Barr. Alicia Barr is a custom sales and marketing strategist known for showing solopreneurs the secret art of subtle selling. She has personally sold over $50 million in services. In the process, she's created a proven sales approach she can customize to solopreneurs' strengths that allows them to close 80% of their leads without pain, pitching, or pretending to be someone else. Alicia Barr shares about growing a marketing agency and seeing so many people struggle with sales. She changed her focus to helping people with subtle sales. Sales where you're helping people solve a problem and not trying to close a deal. Alicia, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Me too, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about uh, your choice to become an entrepreneur and move into uh, I guess coaching space or what space yeah. would you consider yourself? Well, it, it is, I'm a sales coach, so that is accurate. Um, so I sold digital marketing for a long time and I always did marketing on the side as like a little, you know, little clients on the side. And eventually I was just unhappy at corporate because anyone who's been in corporate has experienced how it mediocrity is like, very accepted and actually anything above mediocrity is like, can you please stop? So <laughs> I eventually was tired of not delivering something quality to clients. So I opened my own marketing agency and that is, has a ceiling for sure. And if you want to hire people, then there's a lot of overhead. So I moved into sales coaching, but it was really great to have that in the trenches marketing experience. But like, of course, very scary going into sales coaching and building from the beginning again. And I'd always like kind of done it at my digital marketing corporate job, but I'd never done it in this way before. So you also don't know, like, am I going to be good? And luckily, I was able to get people really great results. So it was super rewarding. Um, and I just feel like I found something that I find really re rewarding and fulfilling. Nice. So now is your sales coaching primarily driven around um, digital sales, internet sales, or just selling a product in general? So it's selling a service more so. So not so much a product and it doesn't have to be just online. So anybody who has an appointment with somebody and sells them something that's at least $1,500, you really shouldn't be having sales appointments for anything less than that, I would say, like sell that online with a landing page or something. Um, but yeah, not so much like e-commerce products and stuff or anything like that. Nice. Yeah. Landing pages and, and funnels, those can do <laughs> do all those wonderful things. Yes. Yes. Not necessary to spend time on a sales conversation. <clears throat> so in, in your sales conversation, obviously in building building your, your business, you're, you're taking people on a journey um, with basically, you know, what's What's the problem you solve? Is this the person that has that problem? And, you know, are you guys a match, right? I mean, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, it is that simple. It's just about like uncovering if you're a fit 
and, and really understanding the other person and that being the goal of the conversation. And then if you do, and you can help them saying like, I totally understand what's going on at this point, I have all the information I need. And yes, this is exactly what I help people with. I've, I've done it for these people and I can do it for you. And this is what it would look like. And it costs this much. And it costs this much. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it's a steal because you're going to get all of this. So, <laughs> yeah. And so in basically, um, it's just making, I customize the sales process. So one of the things I noticed when I got into sales training is that a lot of sales training is really bad and <laughs> it's, um, one size fits all, which is just crazy. Cause there's literally nothing in life that is one size fits all. Like, I think that there's even multiple ways to like open a beer or change a tire. I mean, like there's so many, like, why would something that interacts with people who have completely different personalities and services be the same across every single person? It makes no sense. So, um, it gives me great pleasure to offer people the relief that they don't need to do things exactly like this person said to do them or this book said to do them, especially if it's not getting results. The amount of people who just keep doing something that doesn't get results because they've been told they need to do like a very high number of uncomfortable repetitions is mind blowing to me. It should work immediately. It should not be like, oh, it's because you need to do it 150 times. No, that's a sign that it's not. <laughs> good. You're forcing it to fit. You're just stuffing yourself in this suit that does not fit. Or you're inviting the wrong people to the room. Yes. So that's <laughs> another part of it, like targeting the people correctly. And usually people have something really unique about what they do and they don't realize what it is. They just do it. So yeah, definitely like who's your favorite person to work with and what is special about what you do to help that person. Is, hmm. part, is part of it in addition. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Because then the sales conversation becomes a conversation of problem solving, not of convincing you that, that you need my widget or my widget repair. <laughs> service. Yeah. If you're convincing, it's, it's not going well. You're losing the sale. <laughs> if you're feeling like you're convincing. Absolutely. So tell me about growing your business and, and how did you build your audience? How did you create those connections um, to help your business grow? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing about me, like I didn't even necessarily think that I was good at sales and I never really even wanted to be an entrepreneur. So my family is all entrepreneurs. So I did not have any misconceptions about how difficult it actually is. I think a lot of people can glorify the experience um, and not realize like how much mindset work there is and self-doubt and issues um, around like that kind of stuff. The actual day-to-day -day skills that you're doing are not hard. It is the mindset of pushing through, not getting the result that you wanted and just doing it again, a different way, or, um, you know, pushing through the fear of not getting, some people just can't even get to the point where they try it because they're so scared. They're not going to get the result that they want. And so I was well aware of the unpredictability of it. Um, so I've just always, the reason I even was ever good at sales is just, I like actually care. So I know it sounds really silly, but to be good at sales, the very baseline layer needs to be to actually care about the um, other person and getting them a quality result. So that's always helped me like with growing my audience in this capacity or in the marketing capacity, it, it becomes something that people want you become somebody people want to refer and they want to work with because it's so clear that you just 
I aren't in it just to, for the money, especially like in this space, a lot of people are just selling something without worrying about the result. And then like, there's a lot of gaslighting going on. Like, oh, well, you didn't get the result because there's something wrong with you, not me. Or not the system. Right. <laughs> yeah, you didn't do it. You didn't do it a hundred times. So that just proves that you're not in it. For, you know, it's it's definitely on you, <laughs> which just adds to the mindset issues, mind you. <laughs> totally. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I had to learn very quickly how to set myself up for success because there are a lot of opportunities where I was not covering myself when I like would work, go into business with somebody. So I had to get, you know, screwed over a couple times, basically. Um, a lot of times in sales, like people will be like, oh yeah, um, I want a salesperson, but I have no leads. I have no structure. I have absolutely nothing in place. And I'd like you to set all of it up for free and generate the leads for free. And then I'll just pay you commission. And it's like crazy that we would never ask that of anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I guess broke entrepreneurs make broke choices, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just like really, uh, I had to to go through a few iterations and evolutions to know like what I need to ask ahead of time before entering into anything with somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> but it is. And, and the challenge is the people that want that stuff for free don't understand the value of what they're creating and don't understand the value of I mean, they need to give you a part of their business if they don't have the the revenue to pay you part of, yeah, commission only isn't isn't just going to cut it. I mean, if you have leads, so there are people that have like a constant flow of leads, like you need at least 10 a week. Um, and that's different, but no leads? Like, I mean, come on, who would do that? Somebody that's desperate to try to get work and prove that they can do what they say they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of sweet talkers, right? Especially like in the online space, it's, it really reminds me of like the wild, wild west where people are just like saying all these outlandish things and then you work with them and the, it's like a dumpster fire on the back end. Like there's nothing in place. They're flying by the seat of their pants. They have no idea what they're doing. And you're like, wow, the outward portrayal is like really different from what's going on. It's rare that someone has that. I mean, and let's be, it's not just online. Like I think every company has their own like dumpster fires, like big corporations too, of course. Um, but I think this space is really um, infamous, bad about like portraying, like bragging about their own success a lot. Like a lot of corporations are just sitting there just like bragging about how amazing they are and how much money they're making. So it's like, it really gives people this compare comparisonitis where they're like, oh, like, look, this person's doing so amazing. Like, what are they doing? And they're probably doing just the same as you probably, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and, and then there's that, that idea that you, you've got to compete with a Tony Robbins and you got to put out all the results that a Tony Robbins has put out, but he started 40 years ago, <laughs> right? Like, you, know, yeah. you can't, you know, and so to try to make yourself Tony Robbins and, and, and put numbers that, you know, match some of the things that he's doing is, is, is just ludicrous, first of all. But obviously that, that inauthenticity is, is really challenging, which, which leads me to, you know, how important is character in sales, especially? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think it's, 
really important character. I mean, I would say like mindset and energy is so much of sales. You're not selling anything when you're in a bad mood and no one's buying anything in a bad mood either. Um, the more transparent and authentic things seem, um, the more trust is built and the more somebody wants to buy from you. So not like hiding things from them that are bad about it. Tell them the things that are bad. Look, this is what's going to require. Are you okay with that? People want to know what's going on and they'll feel more comfortable and confident. Like they're more scared when it's vague, like they don't know what they don't know. So definitely being authentic to yourself and honest with the other person makes a huge difference. And your mindset just being in the right place. Like there's something that people called commission breath and <laughs> it can really like the desperation, like I have to close, I need the money, you know, and it's a huge turnoff. Like you really need to be in the right space energetically and mentally and emotionally for sales. Well, those are so, those are so good, but I, I want to keep digging a little bit in this, okay. in this character space, just because, um, you mentioned earlier about the the hundred repetitions and, you know, you yeah. get two closes and, you know, finding that person that's, that's not a match and still trying to make yeah. sale. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, that to me that that's almost, it's almost unethical, right? Like when I discover what I do, doesn't fit what you want. It's an, it's an easy conversation to say, Hey, we're, we're just not a good fit. You know, and for me, it's, you know, somebody that might be and introduce me. Otherwise, you know, hey, let's this, you know, look, this was a great conversation. I learned about you. You learned about me. And, and, and no, what I, what I offer, it doesn't solve your problem. Um, and for me, that's an ethical issue, right? That's still a character issue to say, it's okay for me to say, you know, what I got doesn't solve your problem. You need something else. And maybe I can help you find it. Maybe I can refer you to somebody. Maybe I can, can do this. Um, but there's a sales mentality out there and maybe that's the used car sales mentality of, you know, I just got to get the clothes right. And, and, and push for the clothes, even though it's become obvious, it's not, you know, it's not that good fit. Yeah. So, I mean, that is definitely, I actually just um, had a post about this that was like, if your only criteria for a client is that they have a working credit card, then not going to work out. That's an awesome niche though. <laughs> Anyone with a valid credit card, I can help you. Um, yeah, you're going to have a lot of people that don't like what you're doing, that are unhappy. And the thing is, the per if you're fulfilling the service, it's even harder to do that. So I think it's easier if you're not having to fulfill it. Like obviously there's an ethical thing there, but if you're also fulfilling it, you are setting yourself up for a lot of stress that is just not worth the money. Um, and most people have to experience it to be like, I'm not doing it. And they usually have to experience it like a few times. That's right. That terrible client that you really just takes 80% of your time and, you know, you want to just pay them to leave. Yes. And you like, don't believe it could be possible, but it is. And it is so empowering to be able to say no to a client. It's, and not that you don't want to give people resources. You do. You want to say, okay, this isn't exactly what I do, but I have somebody who does. Do you want me to introduce you to them? So it's not just like it's not a fit by because that can feel so bad. Um, but yeah, like it, it feels very empowering to to make space for the right people. Absolutely. Well, and, and speaking of right people, that's the value of of niching down. And and it's the cliche in the online world. And 
everybody gets told, oh, niche, niche. And everybody's like, oh, I, you know, and that's essentially what your credit card statement is, right? Like, yeah, obviously, anybody with a credit card would be awesome as long as all they're doing is giving you their money and not asking for results. <laughs> but to, to, to narrow your niche down to the people that you truly can help and be able to communicate that well, it helps you in your sales conversation. It helps you in your marketing. It helps you in providing the service and actually doing what you say you're going to do if if your niche is is narrowed down. But people are really afraid of that. They're so scared that they're going to exclude people. But it's so funny because you won't. The people who want to work with you will still come to you outside your niche. Like I know people who say that they're for women only pretty much and have just like pink branding everywhere and they'll have men contact them. And if it's a fit, you can work with them. Or, um, you know, I only help solopreneurs, but if a salesperson wants to work with me or someone in a more corporate environment and it makes sense and I can help them, then I can do that. So it's funny that you won't actually exclude all those people, but by not niching down, you will get less people that you like. Right. <laughs> and that's the, that's the illogic of it. Right. And yet, um, I guess the best example I heard um, was the, oh, I just lost his name. <laughs> he wrote $100 million offers, and he's a gym specialist, goes into gyms, helps gyms just revamp, oh, revitalize, cool. and, and relaunch. And and he basically shares the story of if you're, uh, if you're selling a time management product, it's probably a $20 product. If you're selling time management for salesmen, now it's a $100 product. If you're telling time management for salesmen that sell um, tools in a hardware store, you know now it's a $1,500 product. And it's yeah. essentially the same outline, but because you've narrowed it down to a specific audience, when that audience hears that, you know, salesman for, you know, power tool hardware store guy, he's like, I'm a power tool hardware store guy. I need that. Right. And so he's willing to pay $1,500 for basically the same $20 program um, with more details that are geared towards, you know, hardware stores, salesperson. Um, and, and that really, that just helps not just in, in the marketing, but helps in your space, right? In your head, you, you, you understand, am I a fit? And is the language I'm using going to help serve this person? Um, and so I think, yeah, helping people niche down and 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 not to to niche beyond themselves because it's really that authenticity. Right. Who do you love to serve? Who is that person that's the the ideal the ideal person? Um, and I guess we probably all start in that same space, right? <laughs> they have a valid credit card. Woo! <laughs> and you know, it's okay to let it be like a slow evolution. Like I definitely have had to evolve with time. It's just being open to shifting because sometimes you don't know, you're just guessing and then you figure it out. Um, so that's part of the thing that's so scary to a lot of people in entrepreneurship is that it's so uncertain. You just have to do it. <gasps> Take action. Woo. Yeah. I love it, it. You'll learn way more. It's kind of like, I'm pretty passionate about college. Like I would way rather have somebody with four years of job experience than four years of studying and taking tests. <laughs> they learn so much more. I mean, unless you're like a doctor or an accountant or a lawyer, but you know. Well, I got 
I got a master's degree and my wife has a master's degree and neither one of us use any of it anymore. I mean, obviously there's, there's pieces, there's experience of the, the, the studying, but I've learned far more from the self-help books and the podcasts and the um, conferences that I've paid to go to on a weekend than I ever did, you know, through the, through my college education. So I, I agree with you. And, and I agree that, that I kind of agree about, early education too, obviously there's some elements that really need to be taught, but I think, you know, helping kids with mindset and helping kids self-educate and then understand how money really works. I mean, there's a couple powerful things that we could be doing for kids that wouldn't even take that much time out of their normal program. And what about like communication and conflict resolution? (gasps) Relationships? Uh Like no, our we got to stick be... with the middle school. The middle school relationship model sets the tone for everybody's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny. exactly. Like communication relationships, obviously that's a huge area in entrepreneurship, right? Because our connections are everything and, and the influence that we can create. Um, and obviously people that are providing services are typically influencers, right? I don't, I mean, whether they're putting in plumbing or they're, or they're, you know, teaching you how to, to deal with your mindset and that silly voice in your head, but you, you need to be an influencer. <laughs> and so, yes, communication is, is so powerful. And no one teaches it. How much better would our world be? Well, oh my gosh. Well, and then, and then when you teach communication, you can also teach empathy and, <laughs> and People could be empathetic towards each other and start caring a little bit more. But I think entrepreneurs are the solution. I believe because entrepreneurs have to figure out the mindset for themselves. And then they they learn that empathy for for other human beings. But I mean, I believe entrepreneurs, all of us are gifted to serve humanity. I think we were created to help each other. And when you discover that gift to help each other, you figure out that you can make the planet a better place by by being an entrepreneur. <laughs> and so that's what we're supposed to be doing <laughs> is services that help each other. And guess what? We can compensate each other for that. And then everybody's taken care of through this huge network of, of providing services and, and you know, re- rewarding each other. And so it, it, it really becomes a community that that is taking better care of each other. So I believe entrepreneurs are the solution. <laughs> And uh, and I think that they're going to learn the communication and the empathy and the the, the problem solving that's going to solve some of these bigger problems that corporations are probably more creating than solving. <laughs> so, but they're all choosing to throw a nickel at a nickel out of every thousand dollars. We'll throw it at uh, the environment or we'll throw at the planet because because we're doing our part. Yeah. <laughs> well, they drive a fleet of trucks in every city. <laughs> I mean, more than there is definitely just a lot of things um, broken by greed. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, but I love that vision of the entrepreneurs just helping each other. And um, it is it, it's not for everyone to be an entrepreneur. You have to be OK with some kind of uncertainty. And um, I know that like my husband could never do it ever, ever. He would just not like it at all. Um, Entrepreneurs can hire. I mean, entrepreneurs can hire people. I mean, truly, I mean, Jeff Bezos was an entrepreneur. Obviously he's no longer right. Once you sell stock and it becomes a, (laughs) 
a corporation. It's no longer that. But but really, all of those, most of those guys, Richard Branson, all you know, started as as entrepreneurs, and many started in their garage, started super tiny, super small, um, and so it it's certainly plausible that that entrepreneurs can can be the solution in hiring people and providing you know creating a workforce and and doing a lot of those things but i think once a corporation becomes its own little entity it takes on a life of its own and it loses it loses those roots and it loses the it gets so caught up in the service that it forgets about people yeah once shareholders are involved it seems to change its priorities well, and, and that's the, I think even the corporate, I think the stock market model is going to shift at some point because right now we have corporations trying to satisfy a customer, trying to satisfy a stockholder and try to take care of their employees. And and the three are in a tug of war. Um, and and right now employees are losing on, in most cases, Walmart, Amazon, and it's going to have to shift because corporations that care about people can't just care about their customer, can't just care about the stockholder. They're going to have to care about their people. Because their people are the ones making it all happen. So, yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, it, people, I think it's already starting to kind of happen with everybody resigning because they're just not okay with the way that um, companies pay or treat them at this point. And so, you know, that's the only way anything changes is if there's just enough demand. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and and customer demand can shift it, or of course, employee demand can shift it because if they don't have enough employees, and of course, our whole workforce right now is just in a weird, a weird, weird space where most most small places don't have enough employees, and they can't get enough employees, and and uh, it's hard to keep employees, and a whole bunch of them are starting to try to be entrepreneurs, which is good for you and me. Um, but yeah. I think a bunch of a bunch are going to probably give up and and go back into the workforce, which is a bummer. Um, but <laughs> those that are those that push through, that are persevere, uh, we definitely want to be a voice of influence for them. Yes, absolutely. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching and their Inner Circle Team Coaching. With a new team forming in January, limited seats are available. Apply during the month of December to be a part of this group coaching program. Add value, the number two, life.com. So what have mentors meant for your growth? Mentors? I mean, they've been crucial. Um, entrepreneurship can feel very lonely. Uh, so loneliness and being in your own head is definitely a real success killer, I would say. <laughs> Um, so I've always been like, I, I don't know. I've always been the kind of person who's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to ask somebody who does like, that's like my first go-to thing. And I'm going to probably ask a couple people who do, and then I'm going to source the answers and pick the one that resonates the best with me. So I've just kind of always been like that. And, um, I think it's so worth it to have somebody that you can, can lean on whether you're paying them or you're, you know, giving them something in exchange, or as long as there's that appreciation there for the fact that it's going to get you somewhere way faster than if you just figure it out on your own. Hmm. So good. Absolutely. I think that there is the value of figuring it out, right? Like entrepreneurship is so much a, a scientific journey. Like you got to try it. Like, like experiment, test it. Well, that didn't do what I expected it to do. 
and be willing to change it, try it again. Um, I think so many people get stuck in planning uh, and, you know, trying to make the perfect plan, try to have the perfect, you know, perfect system, the perfect idea. And then, of course, the minute you face to face with a person, the perfect falls apart after step one <laughs> and and figuring out, OK, we got to make a new step two now. <laughs> Yeah, it's like people who um, obsess over their website and logo before starting a business. Like you're definitely going to change your website and logo for sure after you launch. It's a complete waste of time. <laughs> um, like just launch and you'll have a better idea of what you want your website and logo to look like because you'll have feedback from the market. It's so weird that you have an idea of what you want to do but other people don't like it and they like something else that you do. And you have to be able to let go of whatever your original idea was. And that can be really hard for people. Um, but you'll be so much more successful if you just do. I, I mean, I'm not saying like do something that you don't like doing, but often um, the market will be like, actually, I don't, I don't want, you know, peeled potatoes. I want diced potatoes <laughs> or I want, potato seeds and you're like why would you want the seeds i was peeling them for you and they were already and it's like who cares just don't ask just just you know <laughs> that's a huge challenge though because we've got this great idea and the great idea just drives everything and and you try to make the world fit into the great idea rather than the great idea being the seed and and being oh that got everything started but really there's only like three people that wanted to pay me for that. And my mom and grandma were two of them, yeah. but <laughs> I've got these other people over here and they're willing to pay me even more for this little side thing. That's almost the same, but got me started. Yeah. It's hard to let go. I, and, and you're, it's, you're right. The website, the logo, <laughs> some of those things can be really, really just, we hold on so tight to the things that we believe in. <laughs> Well, it makes it, it's also like, uh, so I love this book, Straight Line Leadership, and I did a whole guide on it in my um, group. And it's about how a lot of times people are doing those things to feel like they're doing something, but it's keeping them from actually doing something like the thing that they're scared to do. But it's like, you know, it's deceiving, like, like, I'm going to go back. I don't know how many times I hear people say, I'm going to go back to school. And I'm like, oh, my God. And it's just so they can feel like they're doing something that's getting them somewhere. But what would really get them somewhere is like taking action in some way. Um, but that part's scary. So it feels safer to say, I need some more information. But the truth is, you probably already have all the information you need. And now you just need to take action on the information that you have. Um, probably, probably too much. You've probably overloaded yourself with information. You got too and, much. And, yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, we're information gatherers uh, rather than action takers. <laughs> yeah, it's just it feels safer, but at the same time, it's so frustrating because you can see yourself just wasting time and money. So they call them circle people. They're people that never get out to the straight line. So, like throughout the book, he's basically just like. What is the thing that's going to get you to your goal the fastest and only do that? And it's never going to be more information. Like really <laughs> almost never. Yeah. Stop turning. Stop, <laughs> Stop being busy, right? We busy. Our culture appreciates busy. And so we praise busy and we don't judge busy, right? As long as you're, well, if you're busy, you're, you know, very few organizations actually say, well, are you doing the right thing? 
right? Versus does that does that step you're taking lead you towards your goal or is it taking you in the other direction? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely there should be like a busy badge that like when people just talk about how busy they are, you're like, here, I have the perfect thing for you. Put it on your shirt. <laughs> Feel great about it. Let everybody know how busy you are. I love it. I'm going to do it. So one of the things I challenge people on every time is when they answer and say, I'm tired. And, and, and there's a lot of people when you ask, how are you doing? I'm tired. I mean, that, that's such a universal answer. And I feel the same way. I always challenge them. Are you, you know, are you really tired? Or are you just telling yourself that you're tired? <laughs> because the more you tell yourself that you're tired, the more tired you're going to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that the tired could mean so many things too. Like, like maybe not just lack of sleep and I want to go to sleep, but I'm tired of doing, I'm of doing the same thing and it being not what I want to do. Or yeah, well, I, I think there's the, the commiseration, commiseration that happens when you're tired. It's like, Oh, right. And everybody's, everybody's sitting around in a little pity party of, Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm tired too. Oh yeah. Me too. I'm tired. Right. The I'm whole, the our whole culture is tired. Right. Exactly. Well, that's what they'll start saying. They'll start talking about how, why they're so tired and everyone will have a story of the reasons they're so tired. It's the same thing with busy, right? Oh, I'm so busy. I, you wouldn't believe how much I'm doing. And, and you're right. They're running around chasing their tail. They're not accomplishing anything or going anywhere, but, but they're going to catch that tail. <laughs> Eventually. No, no, they're not. I like it. I'm going to add, that's a new swag idea. The, the busy button. Yeah, guess what? I'm busy. I thought you should know. <laughs> give, me a pat, give me a pat on the back, please. <laughs> tell me tell me it's a good problem to have. Like yeah. that's the other thing people say when you say I'm busy. Well, it's a good problem to have, right? And it's like just because you don't know what else to say. Yeah, if only they're they're they figured out their revenue generating behavior and focused on being busy there, because that would do some incredible stuff. <laughs> Yeah, when someone says that they're busy, I'm like, sounds like a time management issue. <laughs> like you're overcommitting and you need to take some things off your plate. Like, I don't think that that's like a good sign when I hear that someone's really busy. I'm like, woo, sounds like a bad sign. Someone needs to like look into your life and do a little audit and make it easier for, you know, remove some things. <laughs> nice. All right. Switch it up a little bit. What was your uh, favorite date with your husband? Most memorable date? Oh my gosh, I've never been asked that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like our honeymoon was pretty amazing. Uh, cool. Yeah, we we went to Thailand. And um, one of the really fun times was like ATVing in this like Thai countryside where we just got to see. I like what I like about traveling a lot of the times is not doing the big tourist thing, but seeing like what the actual life is like there like the day-to-day -day people and the day-to-day -day landscape. Mm. I like them both. But um, so we got to see like all of these farmers. And I mean, it was just like rogue, basically. Like we go wherever, do whatever, like just tore up this whole countryside, saw like weird pigs and saw all kinds of stuff. And um, I thought that was really super fun. Or our, um, you know, our first date was, well, I guess it was our second date. It was to to see the movie How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> Love and that movie. It was a good movie. And he kept the movie stub like all the way to our wedding. Like he had it for, for a really long time. Yeah. And um, 
I don't know. I guess it's like kind of a weird movie for adults to go see because like, it's Disney, but I love what? Disney. That was the advantage of having kids and I I don't I don't no longer have to make excuses for watching whatever movie I want to watch. <laughs> now my kids have moved out and I use my grandson as an excuse. But <laughs> I love I love animated movies and the stories they tell and some of the best some of the best movies, creative movies are are kids movies like you know, one of my all-time favorites forever will be Hook. And and simply because Hook challenges the mindset and and the creativity that we turn off when we transition from kids to adulthood. And that movie just powerfully nails it, right? And shows Robin Williams trying to trying to capture it, right? The kids are having the food fight and he can't see any of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it becomes vivid again. And that creativity just turns back on. Um, and I love to see that for people and, and want to encourage adults to experience that again, right? Like I think our competitive nature and our competitive culture and just life drives that creativity down and, and crushes it like a bug. And, and, and it's still in us, right? It's still in everybody. And the more they can tap into it, the more they can, they can accomplish great things and, and do great things in the world. So love kid movies. Most of the time they tap into that, that in ways that adult movies don't and how to train your dragon did, too that was a great just what a creative take on the idea of you know dragons being you know, living in our world well and the movies they're coming out with lately are so good like um raya and moana like the messages are are much deeper like with raya it's about how life shouldn't be win lose how when it's win lose everybody loses and there is a way for it to be win-win for everyone when you stop being like living in a place of scarcity, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like what a deep message to empower children with. And there were, and it was these badass women too, these fighters. I was just like, I mean, for the longest time, we didn't see women represented like that in animated movies. So yeah. Or any movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I love, in fact, this weekend we got to met, meet Brianna Daniels, who's uh, a, a black young woman tire changer on a pit crew for NASCAR. And she's on a TV commercial and she's doing some other stuff and, and just love that, you know, she's in a sport obviously dominated by white men. Yeah. White men from the South mostly. And so it's a, it's a, a really good to see. In fact, it's interesting because a lot of tire changers and people on pit crews now are, are former athletes, football players, and huh. coming out of college football because they're the ones that have the the strength and the speed to handle the strength and speed necessary in in pit you know pitting a, a stock car. And so it's interesting to see that's the place the diversity is starting to to come in and and just appreciate so much appreciate opportunities for diversity and and, and creating those. And so hope as an entrepreneur that I can continue to create opportunities for diversity and opportunities for for women and businesses and yeah i think entrepreneurship is that solution too <laughs> so i think so too i love having diverse perspectives i think it leads to a better experience for everyone all right so what what inspires alicia man what inspires me like in what way like gets you up in the morning gets you <laughs> Get you, get well, you making those, doing that 20% that no one else wants to do. Whenever I think about quitting, um, 
I have to consider applying somewhere and working at a company again. And that just always lights a fire under my ass. I just can't do it. Um, and then what inspires me really is how rewarding it is for somebody to think that they're so bad at sales or whatever, or that they couldn't get better or that they have to do it a certain way. And then empowering them to do something that's so much easier for them and natural. And like it, it empowers them to make a lot of money and also impact other clients. Cause the people that are attracted to me are usually people who genuinely care about their clients too. Um, so they're going to go on and impact more people. And then they, it really gives them like a whole new confidence because so many people have this thing about sales where they feel less than like, I'm not good at sales. So I'm, I'm not as good at business as mm. other people or, you know, stuff like that. So giving them the confidence that they, they are and the confidence to really speak to their offer and know exactly what to say in any conversation that represents the value of what they do in a way that they can like, they know without a doubt the conviction of it. I just, I love seeing that transformation in financially and internally. Mm. That's so good. I mean, the truth of the sales conversation, it simply is, should be in an exchange of services, right? Like you have a problem, I can solve your problem. This is the deal we'll make, right? And, and of course it's gotten so complicated with, with obviously used car salesmen and other internet salesmen and now real estate salesmen and marketing experts yeah. <laughs> who've, who've uh, you know, like you talked about earlier, like they, they make all these promises, like you'll, you'll generate your first six figures in 30 days. And, <laughs> and of course, then it's, uh, you just didn't put in the work, right? Yeah. <laughs> or like you just didn't a lot of, yeah, that, there's so many things about it. Like I would say the majority in, of the offers, at least the louder ones are probably not going to help people succeed. Um, like if you were to look at their clients, it's a very small percentage. Then those are the ones that they hype up, if anything. Sure. But I always think it's sketchy when someone, I think it's really tacky and weird when someone's talking about their own revenue. I don't, I don't know. Like I just grew up learning that you didn't brag about that. It's awkward unless we're talking about it for some kind of purpose, like, discussing what we can afford in a house or, you know, like something that has a point other than just being like, like you should be bragging about your client's results. I do not care how much money you make. Like how much money do you make your clients? Cause I want to be a client. I don't know. Like, it's so weird to me. So I've talked about this with people before and they're like, yeah, I mean, they're just going to attract the kind of people that are, that are like that. And I'm just not. So that's fine with me. I don't want to, I don't want those people. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the truth, though, is is if you've niched down and, and you can attract the clients that are that are attracted to you and you're not using, you know, deceptive language and you're not being unethical in it and you're not saying, well, you didn't get that sale because, well, you must have said something wrong, you know, <laughs> which is terrible. Right. Because the idea that you could say something wrong in a sales conversation just completely stops people from having sales conversations. <laughs> true. Well, they also are often like, well, um, you have poor money mindset is the thing that I keep hearing that they're saying it's your mindset. So they'll tell people like, you should just charge 15,000 for that on something that they're charging a thousand dollars for it. 
And they're like, that doesn't feel right to me. And they're like, it's because you have poor money mindset. And it's like, no, well, it's not the value of what they're offering. And sometimes people just need to gradually get into increasing their prices. They don't just go from one to 15. Like, well, and, and, and it's, it's a great deal, right? You sell one instead of selling 15 to get the same results. And so it does end, it does help in the sales conversation, but that one is a lot harder to find. <laughs> well, it's just that they don't have the confidence in it. You know, right. like you have to work up to that. It's like, could I, you know, rappel up a really steep mountain? Probably. But would I feel a lot more comfortable doing it if I did like mountains of different heights first and then got <laughs> to that height? Like you just and and then, you know, to tell someone, well, it's just because you're scared or something's wrong with your mindset. It's just like just they're just human. Like stop making people feel weird about themselves. Like we already feel we have that inner dialogue already. Like we don't need somebody adding to it. Like there's something wrong with my mindset, you know? Yeah. Well, we need tools to help, right? Let's have the conversation about, you know, hey, what were you thinking at the time when this happened? <laughs> what were you telling yourself? What's the story you're telling yourself? And let's work on that story <laughs> before you work on the sales story. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, and a lot of times if you just work back the value that you bring someone, like it's there are situations where something has the value of $15,000. There are sometimes that it doesn't have that value. It just right. doesn't. I forget who I was talking to. I remember this woman, she showed people how to like buy and sell things on uh, like eBay, but they would make like two or $3 off of each thing. And so she would sell the course for like 500 and it sold like hotcakes. And she worked with some coaches like, you need to charge 5,000. And it's like, it's just not worth that. It's right. going to take them so long to make that money back. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. If you, in, in the value equation, there's two, two parts, right? How much time can I save them or, or how much value then can I add to it? Right. And of course, if it takes them, if it takes them a year to recover the, the, the investment, then obviously you've, you know, your price is definitely, your value is not matching your price. And so there definitely is a calculation to, to figuring that out, right. Figuring out. And, and most people's gut is probably probably low, but even if they start low, sell a few low and then figure out, hey, and then my take client, the next step, and then take. I the paid next eighty step. bucks for this, but I made fifty grand. All right, if they made fifty grand in six months, we need to charge fifteen. <laughs> exactly. So to be open to that process and not just because somebody says you should do, I I don't know, like the stuff that's going on out there sometimes is just. And then the amount of coaches, coaching, coaches, coaching, coaches. Oh, you are my. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been a coach since 2018. And obviously, once you put yourself out there and the name coaches anywhere close to your name, all you get is coaches that want to coach coaches and help coaches and coaches make more. And 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 I I made a post probably a year and a half ago now that's like, does anybody coach people anymore? Like that was literally my post. Cause I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is ridiculous. Um, and, and I, I want to coach business people that aren't coaching clients. Right. Like I, I don't want to coach coaches. Um, and so I'm very sympathetic. <laughs> I can honestly say that none of the people I help coach coaches, <laughs> they, they all coach somebody else like uh, <laughs> lawyers or people going through adoption or small business owners nice yeah yeah i i just i want to coach and of course i built my business 
locally. And so I built my business face to face. And so I'm, you know, coaching insurance agents and, and salespeople and web designers and, and graphic designers and people that I met face to face. So taking it to the internet space, I don't know, is, is the temptation to coach. I will not coach coaches up. You can hold me accountable to that. I'm not going to be a coach of coaches. <laughs> so if you well, see it out there, Alicia, just come back and say, no, Robert, you said you weren't going to do that. <laughs> so I guess I do coach coaches, but not coaches who coach coaches. There you go. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> right. So that's silly to me. They're helping. No, I'm helping. And I mean, you could really call them consultants. Like if other, like I help consultants, people who help someone with a very specific issue that's not coaching other people. I like it. We yeah. just, we just, I definitely connect with you there, though. I, the, 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 I don't know, the digital marketing space and Facebook ad space. And, you know, I've already lost enough money in Facebook ads that if I never have another one, I'm fine. It's just I don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's really made. They're really making it hard. It's not what it used to be. Right. Well, and, and yeah. And then the, the so-called experts who figure it out for themselves, but it, it takes so much energy that it's just, yeah, I may pay somebody else to do it someday, but I'm, I'm going to want, I'm going to need to see 20 client success results from them. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard for anybody to, to get you results. I've never really, I only know one person who I trust when it comes to Facebook ads. And there, I, there are a lot of people I know who do Facebook ads. <laughs> nice. So, What's Alicia's big dream? Well, if I'm being honest, um, my big dream would be to basically start some type of sales revolution where it becomes big enough that people, a lot of like on a grand scale, people adopt this approach and it will be so much more pleasant for the buyers and the sellers. And People, the right people, not the ones who are just trying to make a sale, will be so much more successful and will be able to help so many more people because of it. And I just want people, I, like, I don't know what kind of a grand scale looks like, but like the Sandler method, like that level of adoption where people are like, oh, yeah, the, you know, whatever method. I call it subtle selling as of now. It might evolve. But, um, you know would really love for people to realize there's another way to do it that's refreshing. And I'm not the kind of person who's like, my way is the only way. Like if whatever you're doing is getting results, keep doing it. But there's a lot of people who aren't getting results with what they're doing. And so for those people, I would just love for it to be an option that they know exists, that people implement, that people show others. And for it to be like, I, I don't know, it world changing in a way because we're always buying and selling things. So to have it just be a more enjoyable experience for everyone where it's transparent and about like actually helping someone solve something. Yeah. We all want to be, we all want to be buyers. None of us want to be sold to. Yeah. And we all like want to feel really good about that's the thing about that saying is that you want to feel good about the thing you're buying. So like if everyone was transparent and only focused on getting someone something that is actually going to help them, then nobody would be burned ever. Imagine that. Yeah. Well, and, and the good would come of it, right? Because if you're solving a problem and people are getting their problem solved, then 
then the sales conversation just gets easier and easier because look, I solved this problem. This is what I charge for it. <laughs> Here's 10 people that have gotten the problem solved and they were in the same place you were. <laughs> so, you know, are yeah. you interested in the solution? Cause <laughs> I mean, otherwise, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're, you're listing through the benefits, boom, 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 boom. So people just, you know, of course, most people are talking about features because they get caught up in features kind of like we don't get caught even, up in logos. <laughs> yeah, they don't even talk about the benefits. But I mean, just the ability for people to make better decisions. <laughs> well, even make decisions, right? Like, I guess the, you know, between influence and some of these other things, they've all said, you know, well, if they don't make the decision today, they won't make it tomorrow. So uh, you got to get the sale today. And, and so they offer that, you know, if you decide in the next six seconds, yeah, we'll give you this super awesome bonus, you know, and for me, it's, it's always like my dad even had a roofer telling him, well, this price is only good today. And I said, well, then we want a different roofer. Uh, I, I'm, you know, if that price is good today, it should be good enough tomorrow. And if it's not good enough tomorrow, I want a different company. I don't, I don't like to, to I don't like today. And it depends on the company, but I do like some type of deadline or some type of incentive. It doesn't have to be a price, some reason to move forward. I, I understand. I understand the psychology of it. I've read the books. I know yeah. it, it, it's still just the, the idea that this price expires today. And no, not today. <laughs> today is really pushy. I would give like, 48, 72 hours. And I would ask them, like, is that realistic for you? If you need longer, like, let's discuss it. But something like that, um, I notice if it's just this forever, people just right. sit on it for months. Well, of course, and of course, especially like with roofing or some materials, price changes in, you know, in time. Right. And so I agree that today, today can't be, it, it can't just be today. Or like on this call, right. I really dislike that. So I agree. Selling has to be a process where we're serving each other and we both walk away from the conversation going, man, that's exactly what I needed. And the salesperson's going, whoo, I made the great sale. And that's, we're gonna, really going to be able to help that person. Right. And, and because the sales conversation is the beginning of a relationship, at least in my business, it's the beginning of the relationship. I don't want the relationship starting off on the idea like, oh, I just got ripped off. That guy's such a jerk. How's, the, how's my coaching call going to go? <laughs> That's how they so feel walking people, away from the sale. So many people don't even think about that. I can't even tell you. Like, is it, so a lot of times when I work with people, they'll find that the people they bring in are extremely excited. They come in in a different way. They are ready to do whatever is necessary to be successful. Whereas the other ways that we're, that, that we're talking about, they come in like combative, like with their tail in between their legs, like resentful. I mean, yeah, it's a drastic. It's like, it's like it's like getting married and, and having a fight right on the altar and then expecting the marriage to go well. Right. Like this isn't yeah. going to be a good thing. So, yeah, I want the people to to be expecting great results when they when they've given me their money. And and that expectation of great results is going to set them up to get better results because yeah. it plays into their mindset and. And of course, you know, if they come in with the expectation that, oh, I just got ripped off. That guy was such a, a smooth talker. Yeah. <laughs> Sets up a whole different coaching conversation. Yeah. No, I have a whole thing about how nobody really wants a smooth talker. You don't buy from someone because they were so smooth. It's almost like a warning sign. Yeah. 
Exactly. When someone's so, really smooth. Yeah. I love I love your big dream. I hope subtle selling becomes a, a household name. And uh, so one of these young salespeople sitting across from you, you guys just had coffee and you're going to leave them with Alicia's words of wisdom. Oh, um, there are no failures. You either got the lesson or the result you needed. Hmm. That's pretty powerful. Alicia, thank you so much for such a great conversation, such a great connection. I definitely um, feel like we've had a great vibe and, and uh, look forward to other ways of working together. Agreed. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. Absolutely. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvalue2entrepreneurs.com. Our Cyber December deals include one-hour coaching slots for only $97. That's a 75% savings. And we're launching new Inner Circle Team Coaching in 2022. Applications are open in December at addvalue2life.com. In our next episode, Kate Erickson is the heartbeat, the machine behind the scenes for Entrepreneurs on Fire. She shares about accepting her gift of administration and how her role is more important than just a secretary. Embracing her gifts has allowed her to thrive and serve their growing business. We also share about building or rebuilding their business around the lifestyle they desire.